This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Synapse, Think Tank of the Air, featuring influencers, creatives, and top leaders in the Twin Cities. And now, here is our host, Steve LeBall. And welcome to Synapse Think Tank of the Year. I'm Steve LeBeau, and we have, we have a special program today talking about art. So it's up to you to use your visual imaginations as we talk about the real thing with Natalia Berglund, an artist from uh, Minneapolis. Is that correct? Well, I live in Minneapolis right now, yes, and but I'm originally from Minsk, from Belarus. Ah, Belarus. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between Belarus and, and Rus proper? Uh, it's one of the republics. It's uh, in former Soviet Union. There were fifteen republics, and so it's one of the republics of um, Moscow and and Russia. I guess Moscow was the capital, and Russia was kind of the main republic. And then all of the other were kind of the little sisters. So Belarus that translates as better than Russia. No, I mean um, Belarus technically translates as White Russia, and it's essentially um, Russia was conquered by the. Um, Tartars, and that was the small segment that wasn't car- conquered. So that's why it's sort of like oh. made uh, pure, unconquered. So um, okay, that's, the, that's where the name comes from. The unconquered part of, of Russia. Yeah. And we're here with uh, Takumba Aiken, who I've known for many, many years. Many, many years. Hard to, hard to count them up. And I know where you're from, but why don't you tell me anyway so we have some parody here. Uh, I'm from uh, Lower Town. I live in Lower Town. I'm from Evanston, Illinois. Uh, uh, so uh, some people would like to say Chicago, but I'm from Evanston proper. So you're both uh, expatriates from your homelands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, Takumba, uh, actually, I'm, I have very few art pieces, but I have two of Takumba's. So we have a special relationship there because every day I see his art in my, my living room. And... Um, it's kind of nice to have something unique and original that no one else in the world has, but also there's kind of a depth. I compare it to classical music or, or any good music. If there's good music, you can listen to it again and again and again, and it doesn't bottom out. But some of these top 40 songs, you know, after a few listenings, you, you've kind of heard it. It's been heard. It's You're done with it. So... Um, how, how, how do you accomplish that kind of depth where people want to keep coming back and looking at it? That's a question for either That's one of us. That's a question for either one of you. Yeah, how, how do you make art that people want to keep looking at and not just see it once? I mean, like a comic book. You flip through and well, you've seen it. Actually, I just saw uh, one of Natalia's, her, her postcard for a show. Okay. And it has that kind of feeling where you it, it makes it familiar to you, but at the same time, there's these things that draw you in and draw you in. You know, and so... Um, uh, it, you can. It's just like looking at a tree. You can look at a tree, but every time you come to see it, it's something new. Something's grown. It's the environment's different around it. And and with mine, I create uh, um, a, a moment that you can enter into, and then you keep spending more time with it and seeing more things. And 
it might not be what I my general intention was because I leave it open so that you can have your own interpretation, like jazz, right? You know, and so um, uh, it's uh, it, it's it's not magic. It's just actually more like human nature. Oh come on, it's magic. <laughs> okay, it's magic. It's magic. Well, let's let's describe. Well, you mentioned that um, Natalia has a, a show coming. Yes. Up on August 25th. <clears throat> That's right. My first solo show um, will open at the Museum of Russian Art on August 25th. The opening reception is from 6.30 till 8.30, and it's free. So I hope a lot of the listeners will um, find time to go and check it out. Um, but um, going back to your question. Um, well, let, let's describe this one, for example. I mean, on your postcard, Faces of Change, yeah. now that gives a clue of what your art is about because I see a face and it looks like um, there's a there's a face behind it and then kind of a cross of with areas uh, of, of a different face. Is there a way to describe that better? Um, well, you kind of described <laughs> it, yeah. Um, essentially, um, this particular piece, yeah, it's a, it's a portrait um, of um, a modern woman and it's kind of like overlaid on top of the... Um, 12th century Russian Orthodox icon. So it's um, kind of, uh, as Takumba was saying, something old and something new. And then um, that kind of layering um, of elements and just, um, again, using the old and new, it it kind of creates this um, story and um, kind of invites viewers to hopefully kind of see different things in it, you know, um, each time they look at it. So, so the question is, what story? Your story, or do, do the, does the uh, the viewer make their own story? I'd say the, uh, my intent is to kind of, um, as as um, you know, a jazz piece. There's a you know melody, and people have different feelings when they listen to it. So, my intent is for users to kind of form their own personal interpretation of my work, so that they kind of uh, go off from their personal experiences and different elements in paint in my paintings will suggest different things to them and so i um, that would be kind of the best uh, way to view the work not trying to get into my head and trying to <laughs> understand what i was um, trying what, to what, what did the framers intend <laughs> yeah. yeah we don't want you to do that <laughs> <laughs> but but just kind of to um, have their own form their own opinion and try to kind of uh, untangle the story and kind of see it from their own perspective so what what you have is two people there, or or, or and the, and the eyes come from like a contemporary photograph, and then the background is like you say twelfth century. Yeah, that's old. That's old, yeah. But it's in color. Oh well, yeah, that's how they used to paint icons in color. <laughs> and then they black and white photos. So there's a little bit of disparity there. There's a contrast. There's a, a flip on right. that one because people used to think of black and white as being old, like in the movies. Right. You know, so that's interesting. But see. That you just discovered, Steve, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I didn't notice that at first, but I noticed a different time in the the uh, styles of the work that she's presented there. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the thing is that it's inviting people to discover and then have a conversation and share it, and and people grow without us, mm-hmm. without the artist, looking at it and having a conversation. Mm. And this woman's looking at me. That's right. And she's very intense, but but not excited. Uh, um, <laughs> or she's very excited but not intense. So it depends. Well, okay. Yeah, well, there's this ambiguity there, isn't there? She is present in okay. this. In this, I, I would say in this, she is present. 
is sort of like a calm confidence uh-huh. that I see. But she's, right, I, I she's, see that. She's got some swag or style to her that is very interesting. No, I, if I can interpret it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I agree that a lot of my Porsches have this calm confidence. Uh, um, so it's... Uh, it, you describe it. Is, is there a way you want your viewers to feel when you look at your art? Uh, or do you want them to think or feel or both? Both, both, of course, yeah. Um, we want them to show up. <laughs> <laughs> show up, feel, and think. Because uh, I think, I mean... It's all intertwined, so it's uh, it's impossible to feel without thinking. I think. Right, and 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 this is kind of a now I, as you can probably tell, I don't know a lot about art, but I know there's there's realism where you try to present something that's there, mm-hmm. and then there's this abstract which it's doesn't really represent anything, but it evokes something. <laughs> Did you hear me gasp? <laughs> what? So well, see, I'm I'm laying out a, a, a land full of minefield, so you can you can go and blow up my my thoughts here but um so this is your kind of mixing it's 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 natural images but they're mixed in which you don't find in nature too much right it's it's not a photorealistic depiction of a a a specific person it's uh it's a combination of abstract elements and uh, realistic elements oh now i can give you an example where the we we experience it every time it's when you walk by a window and you see part of the reflection of you and then part of what you're seeing in the window ah. and part of what's going by in the reflection. So it's not that it's not there. It's just that we don't pay attention to it. Hmm. We we get used to um, we get used to things because we're in a hurry. The great thing about having a, a, a piece of art, a painting, a, a sculpture, is that it if you have the time, you'll stop and then you get to learn more about your world, uh, about our world. Um, and uh, so it's not that you you don't see it exactly how I create it, how she creates it. But then if you slow down, then you'll, you, there's things that reflect in your own cachet of memories, thousands, millions, whatever of memories that then can connect. And so like when I looked at her work, I immediately connected because I see these things and she's just helping me see it a certain way. So the artist is pointing out a reality, an unseen reality in our everyday life that we're just too oblivious, uh, people working so hard they don't stop and think and reflect. Uh, yeah, they, they, <laughs> I don't want to say that people aren't thinking, but it does It does give them a... Well, a, well usually a, in your everyday world, you just everybody now is just in a quick, hurry. In a quick I mean, that's yes. what struck me there is to stop and slow down. And that's what they do in art museums. They They sit and kind of do a little bit of Zen meditation in front of each painting and kind of see if they can get it or get something from it. Yeah, and that's why I love going to galleries and museums. It's just this uh, time to look at beautifully crafted and um, presented objects and kind of uh, contemplate about, you know, what's uh, on view and what's kind of like stays unsaid and you can kind of um, complete the picture, so to speak. Hmm. Now, I'm looking at the other side of your postcard, and here we have faces that are um, also manipulated. So here's a woman uh, with kind of amazing hairdo, and then there's another face, looks like the uh, uh, an old painting that's part of her, her cloak or robe. Yeah. So this uh, latest series of mine, um, I um, essentially was drawing on my 
you know, Russian Orthodox roots and uh, was inspired by um, actually the the show that the museum, the Russian museum, the Museum of Russian Art had um, past fall and I think it went through the winter even. Um, they had a collection of um, icons there and just, you know, looking at the old icons and the beauty and kind of the um, symbolism and the use of gold and just the craftsmanship really spoke to me. So I created this new series that use a lot of the elements found in the um, traditional Russian iconography. So yeah, my, my pieces uh, that you again pointed out right now, it, it's kind of layering of layering of different elements. It's a, it's a portrait of a person, but then there are elements of, um, <clears throat> it's not a collage, but it feels a little bit collage so that it's um, um, kind of segments of, um, icons overlaying, creating a, a garment or um, part of the, you know, the shield around the face and so on. Yeah. Well, I get it now. Faces have changed, but actually you're changing the faces. <laughs> well, <laughs> not so much the faces, but just what goes around the faces. The, right. the, well, you the, know. the framing them. Yeah. So, um, Tokumba, uh, how can we describe your art? Or how can you describe it? I mean, do you want to take? I have a couple of well, I, I can photos of your art. I can describe my art as layers, uh, layers uh, from very. I can go from very repetitive images to very flowing images using black line. I'm uh, I'm colorblind, so I use black and white first. You're, you're colorblind. Yeah, that means I my I have altered colored sense. I'm sure that I see color because I've you know programmed it in my head since I was three. Um, but, you know, I take Well, well here, describe, describe this one. This is a piece that I have. I never describe my work, Steve. You're you so don't. mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's okay. Okay. You for know, it's, for it's, one it's, thing, it's, it's, it's not representative ordinarily, but you gasped when I said that. I did. I'm gasping now. <laughs> but uh, this one could be called Faces. <laughs> yeah, I do I do see actually quite a few faces here. And uh, what I love about Takumba's work, it's again, it's a lot of abstract patterns. But then when you look at it, you start seeing kind of elements coming together and forming larger shapes. Like in this case, I see multiple faces. And it um, seems like some sort of carnival to me. Maybe he could have a couple of... <laughs> Couple of paintings in your exhibit that look no, like faces. No, but <laughs> I, I I see a collaboration coming on sometime. You know, it's a it's interesting because she's working with layers in one way, I'm working with layers in another way. Mm. But we're really talking about life. You know, uh, the pieces that I have that I've seen just from her postcards, and hopefully people can go to the show, and I can go to the show. This is the first time I've met Natalia. Okay, so here, yeah, a, bl- a blind I, this, art date. <laughs> no, <laughs> yes. Okay, Steve. <laughs> it's 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 a lot, you know. But and and seeing it uh, automatically, I'm like, she's got it. She, you know, there's there's this thing of um, trying to tell a story about a certain aspect, and I think this one is. Uh, these are uh, women faces, features, and they're, they're all women. Are they all yeah. women in your show? Um, in the in the show, um, it's a combination of my current. Um, um, collection of new works and it's also going to feature some of my earlier pieces so uh but there are only three small sculptures that are not women but all of the other pieces will be okay women and it's a it's a it, it, you know from what i've seen so far it's a uh a, a, a very earnest and 
well-crafted. Uh, God, I hate saying well-crafted. What did I say before? But she knows what she's doing with her, well, her I, medium. That's I know what, what you, I'm saying. As an amateur, I know what you mean, is that you can look at something and, and tell whether it's well done or whether, well, you know, I used to work for Jesse Ventura, and his definition of art is, if my three-year-old can do it, it's not art. So there's some things that look like, well, so my three-year-old could do it. That meant that he didn't like some of my work, but he liked other work. <laughs> because it's, it's the intent and how you deliver it and how you're telling the message. You know? And so with my work, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care if anybody else does the style that I do, but I want the feeling and the, the um, engagement between the, the audience and my work to grow and have meaning. You know? um, but, but in reality... I might be doing all of my work, all of these hundreds of thousands of pieces just for me. And, but I realize it's not really true because I know that each piece that I create, there's somebody out there that it belongs to, maybe not monetarily, but in spirit, they can relate to it. And if they see it in your house or they see it you know, at the Walker or they see it in the Union Depot, there are people that claim that as their own. And, and enjoy it in whatever way they want to enjoy it, not necessarily how I want them to view it. Hmm. Boy, there, there's something that we're going to be talking more about out on this program. The uh, one anecdote came to me. There was a, uh, and this is like in the Nuremberg trials of one of the, the, the bad Nazi uh, leaders, and one of them had like a Rembrandt, but during the course of the trial, he found out it was a fake, and it just broke his heart. I mean, visually... It's the same, you know, spot by spot, it was the same paint on there. But just the thought that it was a fake, it just broke his heart. So there's, it's not necessarily the vision. It's something beyond that, to know that this is a Tacumba, this is a, a Natalia. Um, so art is very, uh, it has a lot of levels, doesn't it? It, it, it does. I actually had a, a, an artist that, uh, well, he, um, uh, he does satirical things, but he and another artist said, that they were going to start doing Takuma fakes, copies. <laughs> and, the, and then the everybody Takuma knockoffs. Everybody, yeah, Takuma knockoffs. That's exactly <laughs> what he said. And everybody gasped, and I'm like, what? There are knockoffs that are more expensive than my work now for, that are done on other artists, you know. Uh. And other, there's countries where they do things. But in a way, um, I don't want them to do that, but in a, in a way there's some strange kind of flattery there, some kind of, you know. Uh, and they were they were just jokingly... They, came, they thought of it as a joke at first, mm-hmm. but then they kept thinking of it, and they got really <laughs> into this, and I'm like, I don't want to know about this. I don't want to be part of this. So I never know if they did something or not, but maybe in Central America there's Tacumba knockoffs. Well, I, <laughs> I, I, I heard a quote once that um, good artists borrow and great artists steal. So maybe maybe that's a clue. We'll bring that up in our next segment. Oh, We're yes. here talking with a couple of artists, real live artists. Uh, Natalia Berglund, whose program's coming up on the August 25th at the Museum of Russian Art in Minneapolis. And we're talking with Takumba Aiken, and his art is all over in public places. We'll be back right after this. Synapse, think tank of the air. We'll be back in a moment. And we're back here with Natalia Berglund and uh, Takumba Aiken, two artists. And Takumba, your art 
I think I read about you painting murals on the side of big grain elevators yes. out in the middle of nowhere. But it must have been somewhere once you were there. Yeah. It so, was somewhere before I got there. Where were you I was uh, I was in Good Thunder, Minnesota. Good Thunder, which is... Good Thunder is uh, near Mankato. Okay, well, uh, there, there's yeah, a spot on the map. Uh, north of... Man- uh, what would it be? It's uh, southwest of Mankato, just a little bit away from there. So it's, then... then it's what, by Rapidan. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, then people see your art. I think, is it one of the struggles of why to be an artist is you want other people to see these things. Do you paint just for yourself because you've got to get it out? I mean, there's there's something inside of me that's got to get out. Or uh, if people see this, I can change the world. Or if people see this, they'll buy it and I can make a living. And what what is, how do you become an artist? Let's stick with that buy it. In. <laughs> the buy, okay, I hit a hit. No, I... I well, well, Natalia, let's yeah, start Natalia, with you. Why did, why did you become an artist? To, uh. to get something out of your... In your right, system? Right, get it out of the system. Uh, well, when I um, was growing up in Minsk, I went to a specialized art school. It's a kind of, um, I guess, in American terms, it would be a charter school where it's, um, you know, regular, you know, first grade through 12th grade, but we had uh, about seven hours of art-related classes per week. And so maybe it's my up, kind of like childhood upbringing. And um, because when I moved to the United States, I went to the University of Minnesota and got a graphic design degree and then was working in a world of advertising, creating, and I'm still working, um, creating websites. Um, but you, I you have, have a you have a day job. Well, um, I'm my own kind boss, of. so um, you're freelance. I, I I kind of um, mix it up. Mix it up, yeah. So um, because again, being an artist, uh, it's uh, it's difficult to make a living just by being an artist. You have to be at a you know certain level and have a certain following. But for me, uh, it's just essentially this desire to create, you know, create art, create beautiful objects. Do you feel like you're being possessed and you have to do it? Uh, I don't feel like I'm being possessed. I, I feel like I'm I'm blessed that I have this, mm. you know, ability and Blessed, desire. not possessed. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, it's, it's an internal drive, essentially. But, but it feels it feels good? The process feels good? Yeah, yeah, like sometimes I would just start a piece and then it's like, oh my gosh, the, the day is over. Where did it go? So it's kind of like I get it in the zone, so to speak. Hmm. And then um, is there any correlation between being in the zone and then liking your product? For sure, yeah. I'd say it's it's important. It's important that I like my product, but it's also important to get external validation from you know from people around me. Who do you show it to first after you do it? Well, obviously, my family, my husband and my kids see it, and so it's uh, <laughs> nice to hear their opinions. And and then, you know, I, I typically post my, my work on Instagram, so mm. getting some, you know, likes there. <laughs> what well, likes? Well, then that's good. You, you you get that positive reinforcement. Right. And and the, the fact, you know, that I'm having a solo show at the museum, it's also a great, you know, positive reinforcement. They love you. People love you. The, is this your first show? Uh, my first solo show, yeah. It is. Well, yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big it deal. It is a big deal, yeah. It, well, it's kind of a um, kind of a big milestone to cross for, for any artist to, right. to finally get recognized. It's like doing a book for a writer. Right. And, and I'm, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot of work. And I feel like I've, you know, grew a lot during this past year. 
with my new body of work. So yeah, I think I'm just kind of um, getting my art career going. <laughs> wow, you're 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 on the launch. You're, you're on the countdown right now. Counting right, down to right. August 25th. Yeah. Man. Pressure. So right now is the time to get my work before it becomes really expensive. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna mention that you were saying you, Steve. You said you had me in your collection. I'm like, you need Natalia in your collection, and I need Natalia in my collection. I'm not gonna wait. So, um, I, I, I have a favorite uh, Mark Twain short story mm-hmm. called "Is He Living or Is He Dead," and it's about four starving artists in France that they they can't even scrape up up enough money to to to, to buy a, a piece of cabbage. You know, they're just starving, starving, starving. And uh, they borrowed all the money they can in this small town. Nobody will lend them any more money. So finally, one of them comes up with a plan. And the plan is based on the idea that it's the dead artist that really has expensive paintings. So they, they do a plot. They draw straws, and one of them dies. And the people go around, the other three, go around spreading rumors about this great master who's, who's getting sick. And meanwhile, the great master, he's at home painting as fast as he can, kind of just outlining stuff or outlining things so the other three can, you know, fill it all in. So it's like a mass production before this guy fakes his death. And then they they whip up all this expectation, then he dies and and it works. They sell these paintings for huge vast sums, and then he's got to go anonymous the rest of his life because he's dead, right? But uh you can't wait. To be dead? To, to be dead. I mean, you, you've got to make some money now. Why don't people right. realize that a living artist is uh, maybe more of a gamble, right? They can think I'm dead if they want, <laughs> if they get to the head. But I, it's, 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 my work is too much uh, alive. And I have a, you know, I, I do have a, a, a body of work that's strictly for my kids that, and my grandkids and my great-grandkids that people will not see until many years from now. You know, uh, it has come throughout the time. And I just, I just, you know, you do a show and you sell a few pieces and then there's uh, other pieces that you might sell later. But there are certain pieces that I just move to the side and I put them away because I started realizing musicians had done that. You know, you hear about this vault of music and Louis Armstrong and even Prince and Michael Jackson and, you know, uh, John Lennon. There's these vaults of things that they just knew uh, people would not maybe understand or you know or they want to save it for a certain kind of thing or a certain time so i just decided there were things that i wanted to uh keep you know for later so maybe that's my dead art collection <laughs> vault you your know, tacumba vault the and dead zone <laughs> how, how do you decide which pieces to... um there were pieces that when you know when you're working on all of that and it's the piece that says leave me alone and you don't touch me anymore i'm like okay you go on the vault and then I, because I look at it later and go, oh, my God, that was so on point, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I just didn't put it in. But then it was I had enough there. And the other thing is the pieces that I really love mm-hmm. that I just can't let go. I want to go back into my studio, my living space and look at it because it influences everything. Mm-hmm. So they can wait to see those later. You know, they see them in many pieces. And, you know, I'm fortunate that I believe that the next piece is the best piece. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so I'm creating with that. So it gets a little difficult when you're working and I have to stop thinking about it and I just have to get to the doing, being in that zone, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all of a sudden something, something is revealed that 
I just thought, wow, did I just think of that or what just happened? You know, and it's this beautiful painting of which I don't want to sell, but I stopped that a long time ago. I have to sell because I have, you know. For, well, for you, it's a business. Do you have any side things? I for mean, us is a business. We both we both work for ourselves. I know. Do you, I mean, I, I can't imagine you serving coffee at a Starbucks or anywhere else. I mean, uh, I have. Um, but, well, yeah, at tell a me. Starbucks. Well, no, not there <laughs> anymore. floors. You know, I've. Uh, I've uh, I was a graphic designer. I did uh, um, uh, logos and illustrations for, you know, books and album covers and things like that. I've uh, uh, when I went into public art, it, I didn't know it was called public art. I just knew that if I did one painting, and one person paid me, and they were happy to put that on a, a, a wall, thousands and thousands of people got to see it for free. Hmm. And coming out of a community where there's not a lot of money to spend for art, if I can create something and and uh, people can get it for free, that was good. Hmm. But at the same time, if you're working for somebody and doing something, they might think of you as a, a, a muralist that should be doing it like an illustrator. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to get as close to my art form as possible. So that took a little time. So Good Thunder Grain Elevator that was an illustration of the history of that town. Mm. And so, but it still, I realized later, was layers. I'm introducing layers and things, but, I, you know, I don't even know how to explain it. The same approach uh, was there, but I was using more realism. And, and then I, what, what I would call stylized realism to execute it so people could see themselves and then they could see themselves in the art you know, and appreciate the art more. And then change it to them seeing inside themselves hmm. when they look at my work. Well, you became a landmark, too, as well as a, an artist. Uh, landmarks are things that people <laughs> step on and look at from a distance. No, not know. if it's not. Oh, have we, uh, are we there yet? Have we passed the Takumba painting? It is, it is something. It's a blessing, like Natalia said earlier. It's a blessing. I, I, I'm so happy and so grateful that this has been given to me as my task on this earth, on this universe, whatever, to be able to put something positive out um, and to maybe make people think, give them joy. It's not that I ignore the bad things. If there's enough people projecting the bad, I project the good that overcomes the bad. Hmm. You know, it, it sounds like being an artist is a social responsibility. Oh, God. <laughs> it uh, is. Well, yeah, and it's, um, I guess... Some might not view it as a sort of like a service, but it is. As Takumba was saying, if if you improve uh, a person's life in some way, it's it's a service. So uh, if somebody can look at an, an artwork and feel emotions, you know, or be touched by it, or you know, then it's definitely, you know, you are doing it for community. Part of the uh, renewing the environment, enriching the environment. Right, people's lives. Not necessarily renewing. <laughs> yeah. Don't want your art recycled. <laughs> do, do, do you have, I know you're married, uh, you have children also? Yeah, I have two girls, yeah. Do they say, Mommy, don't ever sell this, I want it. Do they? Are you having uh, a Natalia vault? Uh, well, I guess I, I haven't thought about keeping specific pieces just for myself, but uh, I guess I just kind of... Um, some pieces, like I recently sold a piece, and my 
husband and one of my kids were really attached to they were like ah i wish he didn't sell it but <laughs> i sold it too late <laughs> <laughs> well it's tough because they're well they're like children your paintings are like children right and oh, then no they're not mm, like they're children not? very far from children it's, it's projects essentially and you know have fun while doing uh, working on the project and if somebody likes it enough to buy it then it's it's, it's great i'm happy so it's okay. like kittens <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's easier it, to give it's away. Like plants, you, you two you both have a plant. You know, then you sell it. It's uh... okay. You two both have kids, so maybe it's not a good analogy. <laughs> well, not a good metaphor. Yeah, no, I, you know, it's uh, but it it is that we're creating something to go out into the world, right. and it's gratifying when you can uh, put a price on it and somebody buys it. And there's a time when I used to put a price on it, and people said, "Oh no, no," and I'm like, "Okay, well, then I'll sell it to somebody else." They said, "No, it's too low." And That's a good I'm like, problem. it's too low, you know, so then I have to make that change. However, when you make that change, then everything has to be at that level. But I still have these people that I want to have my work that might not have that kind of money. So I have to think of things like public art, mm. where they can get it that way. And then the poster of a show, a postcard, there's people that collect those things because that's they, if that's all they can get, they're going to uh, just cherish that as much as getting the big painting on the wall. You had a, a posting on Facebook the other day of someone wearing a T-shirt <laughs> of the State Fair yeah. poster from last year, I think, that you had painted. Yeah, yeah, 2017. So you're on a T-shirt. I'm on a T-shirt, a cup, a shot glass, a, a who knows what. You know, <laughs> it was a. I was at the, uh, by the farmer's market, and I see this man with this pristine, clean t-shirt of the state fair and i was like oh oh my t-shirt and then he was like what and then the wife was like oh that's to quebec and then we were like what you know and i'm like no no i'm i just meant but he she said he takes such good care of this it looked like it was just put on for the first time he says yeah i think i've watched it eight times i'm like my god this is a person that he said he just loved the piece and and it was very colorful uh and then when i pointed out some of the things that were in the t-shirt they hadn't even noticed them yet. Well, that's part that's, of the depth we were talking about earlier. That yeah. You can always find new things. Yeah. But maybe those things were obvious. Do, uh, do you aspire to having a T-shirt, uh, Natalia, or do you already have one? <laughs> well, no, I don't have a T-shirt, but actually uh, uh, a young man from Moscow contacted me and asked me if he could print one of my pieces on his jacket. So, mm. Ah, wearable said, art. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What did you say? I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did so you, I sent I sent him the file and he printed it and was extremely happy. Yeah. Do you license it or you, was this a freebie? It was a freebie. Sometimes I, you have to do freebies. Yeah. You know, it gets out there. I mean, that's now it's in Russia. You know, it gets out there. You you know, I I really try to do this thing of business where you license thing and you tell people don't use it. You know, uh, people don't even know that when you buy a piece of artwork. You don't buy the rights to the painting as far as printing it and all of that. You just buy the painting. Oh, sorry, Steve. You don't make <clears throat> posters of my pieces. All those T-shirts <laughs> I was planning are gone, gone, gone. But it's uh, and you know, but the rules of engagement in art are so there's so many, and you know, uh, just because I'm known doesn't mean I know all of what's going on and who accepts that and which levels of you know does New York and California and these different groups. They're all out there uh, trying to tell you what is the best art. I just ask people to look at the art that's out there and tell them what's the best art. 
people are so afraid. They uh, um, a certain number of people that buy art at a high level, they see it as an investment. And I, I wonder to what degree aesthetics plays a role, or if they're just concerned whether this will improve in value. Huh. Yeah. Well, I think when when you get to the really high level, it becomes an investment. I'm sure you know a lot of the collectors do love the pieces that they buy, but it's sort of art became sort of like a Bitcoin where you invest the money, and as long as everybody else is on the same page that this artist, you know, worth this much, the value of that artist will stay up. So it's a uh, so is your, is your art going up in value? I mean, Takumba, are you selling things for more than you used to? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I'm just asking. I, you I, used to, I used to say my kids need shoes. <laughs> then I used to base my the price of my work on how much the rent was. Oh, okay. Now, and at, at times, when I'm really fortunate, uh, I could get my kids' shoes for their lifetime. Mm. You know, But it throws me off because... I don't have the time to go trying to market to another level. I'm hoping that there's people that will come to me and say, I would like to sell your work, you know, in New York or Paris or things like that. Um, but a lot of times artists have to be on that hustle. And, you know, I have an assistant to work for me now to go talk to people so I can paint. Otherwise, I would always be running around, running around meetings, different things, trying to uh, validate who I am. And I'm not going to do that anymore. My work speaks for itself. I will speak for it sometimes. Um, but when uh, I have work in uh, major museums now and the price changed, and then I realized I can't take something that I somebody paid $20,000 for and sell it for 2000 anymore. No, it's, it's... You know? And it was worth 100000 when I did it and sold it for 2000 but I'm working my way up. That's how my attitude is. I, I, you know, you have to have that feeling that it's priceless, but how does it work in the marketplace? Hmm. Boy, I, uh, we have to leave for a second, and we'll come right back because I have a question about the role of money in art. Is it, uh, is it even compatible? We're talking with uh, two artists here, bona fide artists. Who's, you better buy their stuff now because it's just skyrocketing in value, even as we sit and talk. Natalia Berglund, whose program is opening up, uh, August 25th, Faces of Change at the Museum of Russian Art. That's right. Um, and then Takumba Aiken, who, and you can go down to, what, Good Thunder or Thunder Road? Good Thunder, <laughs> many places, and I do have some shows coming up. So okay, we'll talk about on. those when we come back here on uh, Synapse Think Tank of the Air. Synapse Think Tank of the Air. We'll be back in a moment. And we're back with artist Natalia Berglund and Takumba Aiken. Um, Natalia has her first show coming. Now, how did you get that first show? Did you have to pay somebody? Did you have to give them a dinner or just show them your work and they were just floored and flabbergasted? My gosh, woman, you've got to get your out out in the public. Uh, being at the right time, in the right place, um, essentially uh, an editor of a... Uh, uh, a lifestyle magazine in Thailand contacted me and wanted to do a, a, a feature in his magazine about my work, and I was, you know, surprised to <laughs> be contacted from Thailand. Thailand, right? And so then this magazine came out. Um, it's NAA magazine, I think it's called, and I posted about this magazine on a Facebook, and um, 
I just recently became friends on the Facebook with Vladimir Vantyurikov, who uh, is the current museum director. And he saw that publication, and he asked to come in and see my work. And um, Isn't that just how it is? Yeah. I mean, you're here in Minneapolis, and you probably live, what, just probably a few miles from the, from, uh, the museum, right? Or? Well, no, I live in Plymouth. Plymouth? Okay, yeah. well, you live 10 miles. Mm-hmm. So here it's got to go to Thailand and get publicized. And now it's... We, we have this all the time in the Twin Cities media realm. There was a story about lead in the in 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 the uh, the dirt that it was bad from old houses and it was a harmful for children and we had a neighborhood newspaper i think it was the alley in the phillips neighborhood picked it up and then uh channel 9 did it and then it got picked up by cnn and then it was legitimized and so then all the other stations did it the story on on the the lead paint mm-hmm. in the dirt and it's it's like people are afraid to make a decision until it's legitimized somewhere like here in the twin cities if you've been in New York, well, then you're legitimized automatically, you know, then you're somehow better. Or if you're uh, from from Great Britain, you know, then now somehow that's better than, than just yeah. being from here. So I think that's funny. To, so so uh, Vladimir was impressed. Um, well, I guess. He uh, <laughs> asked me, yeah, if, uh, invited me to have a solo show at the museum, and I was just floored and super excited. Well, that's great. Um how did you get discovered, uh, uh, Takuma? I know you've had what what museums are your works in now? Um, I'm I'm in the Walker. Uh, I have work that's in the M Museum. You formerly the Museum of uh, Minnesota, uh, Minnesota Museum of Modern Art. Uh, I have a Museum of Wine and Spirits in Sweden. Really? Uh, yeah, because I'm uh, I did an absolute vodka ad. You know, hey. uh, that was brought uh, came about by. One of my patrons telling a woman in Atlanta that was seeking out African American artists for a series that they do with Absolute, uh, with uh, that's uh, was a series of African American artists. They had two others before. This was called Absolute Expression, and so my patron said, "Do you know Tukumba Aiken?" And then that uh, gallery owner uh, uh, contacted me. I sent slides. Slides. Does anybody know what slides are anymore? But this would be the, the main medium for you know, and uh, communicating then, about art. Yeah, it wasn't digital. And then um, then they they contacted me and asked me if I would be interested. And I said no, because I'm, you know, come from a African, Native American, Irish background, and alcohol is not good. Ah. And they, they were like, I didn't want to say what I did like, but... They were like, the person was like, you got to be kidding me. And I'm like, she says, do you know what? I'm like, yes, but, and then they had a certain price that they wanted to pay. And I was right in the middle of uh, a a disappointing thing where I thought I was going to get more for a big mural and I didn't. So, and they wanted all rights. And I mean, all these things were just being rushed to me and me saying no got the price doubled. Good move. I was like, what? And then they say, you have to. Uh, you have to name this piece. And I'm like, let's call it uh, Libations. They said, no, 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 no. You have to name it the way the absolute names pieces. And I'm like, okay, so it's your first name or last name. I'm like, what? Absolute, your first name, or absolute, your last name? And because my last name is Aiken and I have all these relatives that never thought that I would amount to anything as an artist, (laughs) I said I want it to be called Absolute Aiken. 
And so <laughs> that... You should just change your name. You know, uh, change my name to Aiken Aiken? <laughs> no, absolutely Aiken. No, 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 no. I can't. No, that's a, that would be a breach of my contract. And also I would get oh. sued by Absolute. You know, that's okay, how well. that's that other world, you know. And so um, I thought that once I did that, I would be just everywhere because of all the other great artists that are in absolute. But it didn't work that way because there's this thing about promotion. Hmm. And they promote it somewhat, but you have to self-promote yourself as well. And so just in the last, that might have been 15 years ago maybe, hmm. 20 years ago, just recently the string of pearls, I call it, the different things that I'm doing, started to match up and people are looking at the different things to go, well, how did we not know about this guy? We, mm. you know, so that's starting to happen. You know, but uh, um, there are a lot of other museums that I would love to be in, and, and, uh, but I have to leave that up to them to make that decision. Mm. And, well, there's this magazine in Thailand. Yes. You can, <laughs> I was going you to can say, get some can I ask there. her online what it is or you know, give me the hookup? You know, and I'm, I'm printed in a lot of things, but it's still about until just until it wasn't until I was able to have an assistant that I could think about pursuing more things because I still had to make a living. I still had to find a way to pay for my mortgage. I, you know, and so I had to work within that realm of things. But, and I always thought that once I've got something, isn't, isn't it the museum or isn't it the, the patron that tells everybody else? But sometimes I think they like, I got mine. I'm not going to tell anybody for 10 years. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh no. Gosh, you it, know, so it's a it's a kind of a love and wait, not love and hate, but love and wait kind of thing. It's it's hard to predict. There, um, another anecdote I heard uh, actually was an interview with Quincy Jones, the music arranger. He's also mm-hmm. a jazz performer and 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 stuff. He's the one that did Michael Jackson's Thriller. That's how he got super famous. But he's done a lot of movie scores. And in an interview, someone said, "Well, when you're working on a piece, do you think about how much money you're going to make?" And he says, "No." When you start thinking about money, God leaves the room. Mm-hmm. So it's like that. the creative process is interrupted. If you're thinking, you know, uh, what I can get out of it, it, it doesn't work. Do you have that sense that you have to be in a certain, well, your little Zen state or whatever, the zone? Well, I guess I never think about, you know, how much I'm going to charge for this piece of what <laughs> it can possibly bring. It's sort of like I create the work that I want to create and then... Um, Hopefully, you know, then I kind of think about, okay, how much, about how much time I spend on this piece and kind of price it based on the amount of time it took at this point. Um, and then hopefully, you know, somebody will, will buy it. Hmm. So yeah, it's, a, I'm not, you know, working backwards. I'm not thinking, okay, what kind of piece I can create that can generate this amount of money and then try to come up with a... Christmas is coming up. I better paint a few things to uh, <laughs> buy presents. Yeah, no. If that's the motivation, then Christmas is coming up every other day because <laughs> I'm motivated by creating. But, you know, I've, uh, uh, things have changed with me. They're constantly changing. So, you know, I just create my art to create my art. But I don't create my – I don't say that so that you can come and just say, I like that painting and then walk out the door. It, there's value that's been put to it by other people, and it's truly a value that I put to it is based on the experience and the knowledge of all the things I created before it, that last piece. And so um, there's a lot of places that I can't, I can't even sell it to them because 
they can't afford it, but I don't want to insult them. I try to do, you know, a, a donation of part of the, the money that can go back to them, you know, but it's really hard. It's the part that I don't, it hurts my heart when uh, I have to say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. You know, it really doesn't feel good to me, but I know to survive and to be able to take the money that I've earned and, and, and do what I want to do, like maybe supplement other artists or, you know, take care of education or housing. These are the things that concern me. So I have to use my, my, my uh, uh, platform to do that. And sometimes I use my art to promote those things. And then it is a donation of some sort, um, uh, working with physically challenged kids. So that piece gets might get done in a community engagement thing, and then I say, no, you keep it, and then they donate it, and the money goes to them. Mm. I'm good, you know. But it's hard. Uh, it's just, but I'm not. I'm not going to have a problem saying what it's worth, and then what can we negotiate? Mm. Is the Twin Cities what kind of an art market is this? I mean, mm. uh, are there artists here so much, and and, and galleries? Or is this a big place? Is are we on the map anywhere? Or uh, are you just kind of uh, happen to be here, so you're producing here? Oh, no, the Twin Cities is on the map, but a lot of the artists have to go other places to make their their real jump and move. I mean, in New York, they love seeing artists coming from the Twin Cities because they're different. They're more innovative. They're I'm getting myself in trouble, but they're more innovative and they have a different viewpoint and a different approach. The Minneapolis look. The Minneapolis look like the Minneapolis sound. It's like this pure thing that comes out of paying attention and watching and creating out of your own voice, your own visual voice. Um, there's a there's a great museum uh, uh, presence and there's great collectors out here, but they collect all over the from all over the world. And uh, and they they're starting to notice more and more the artists that are here because you have the, the our, our our museums that are um, featuring artists, but there's not enough. There's too many artists for the few museums. Hmm. You know, I mean, they can only we're do so out, much. We're out producing. Well, Natalia, are you um, are you part of an arts community with with other artists? Do you get together and have potlucks and? Uh. <laughs> Talk about I, art. I'd say I'm definitely part of the community, but I do not get together for potlucks. I, you know, I try going to various uh, openings by other artists and uh, just kind of um, try to stay um, on top of what's going on. I'd say we have um, quite vibrant art community, maybe not as vibrant um, art buyer, art collector community as some other larger cities. So um, that's. But again, I'm kind of newcomer. I'd say I've been focusing on art for the past four years. Uh, so, is is um, I don't know where this question comes from, but in so many fields, the the internet and online has changed things. How has it changed art to any extent? I mean, it changed the music industry for sure, and it changed uh, writing and publishing. Well, you can re- uh, reach larger audience through internet. Uh, I, I, you know, sold uh, a few pieces through Instagram even. So people from uh, different parts of the country or even the globe can find you and, uh, you know, connect with your art. And uh, so, yeah, it's definitely making making it easier to reach larger audience. But then at the same time, you see the sea of other talented artists out there. Mm-hmm. So it's... Uh, it's great, but it's it's inspiring, but it also can be a little intimidating. 
Do you ever think, you know, why should I try? Do you ever get depressed? And now, now, when when we were talking about you for being on the podcast, you say, well, I've got to I've got to paint these more things for the show. It's like you're on deadline to just get into mass production mode. Well, I I had to finish my pieces that I wanted to have in the show. So yeah, I, I had a timeline and. Uh that I, you know, needed to get them done. <laughs> and I also wanted the podcast to be closer to the, you know, the opening night. Right. It's, um, you know, fresh in people's minds when uh, when they listen to it. So. And, and you told me also that you listen to podcasts while you paint. Right, right. Yeah, that's uh, makes it double enjoyable. <laughs> Not only am I painting, but also I'm learning something new. So it's, uh, yeah. So how can your brain do that? listen to a podcast and kind of enjoy it, but yet, but yet you're creating. Yeah, I um, sometimes I tune out the podcast. So I when I'm, you know, really thinking and focusing, but um, sometimes I, you know, so it's I'm not 100. Obviously, your, your, your mind can only process one thing at a time. And then if you're multitasking, it's switching from one to another, you know. So when I need to really think about something, then I, you know, either tune out or turn off the podcast. But uh Otherwise, it kind of makes it, uh, you know, more enjoyable for me. Hmm. I know when I do work around the house or paint or something, I paint walls, not portraits. But music is is what I would listen to to make it um, go smoother. What about you, Takuma? Do you uh, have any <laughs> entertainment going on, or you you hum do to I yourself? Have to say, <laughs> yeah, soap operas. Uh, right? No, I listen. To, well, I listen to. Uh, I kind of watch on the side and listen to. Chinese classical history, not history, but stories about different parts of the history, different changing of dynasties, uh, you know, uh, empresses and emperors that have been, you know, overthrown or came back. And uh, it, I listen to the sound. It gives me this kind of, the, the dramatic, and so there's music and sound and color and uh, um, uh, uh, um, this sort of, da-da-da-da kind of thing that goes on. Drama. And, I, and I'm painting, and it brings me to more calm and more calm, and I'm hearing a language that I just barely know, you know, but I hear a word. That, I get excited if well, I hear you, a word that I know. You you're know, listening in English, though, right? No, no, no. no you're it's in Mandarin. In, it's in Chinese. Yeah, it's in Mandarin. It's not, there's some things that are in Cantonese, but, but some things that are from Thai. But Do you um, understand Chinese? Yeah, I understand some. I'm learning Mandarin, but, you know, it's this whole thing of when I... Listen, and then I look, and then I go, "Oh, I knew that what th- what they were talking about, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing." And they have a they have a, a closed caption, but I don't read that because I'm I'm painting, you You're know? busy painting. And so, uh, and then I listen to very I listen to John Coltrane, Miles Davis a lot, the masters, uh, because they, I I think we're come out of the same world and the same realm, and uh, uh, then as a guy. Um, uh, uh, you know, an Eric Dolphy or a um, uh, uh, Dizzy Gillespie to some 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 sense, and then uh, Randy Weston, hmm. uh, you know, who's a jazz pianist that weaves the old and the new together, and that's what I think I'm doing. Sometimes, uh, and then sometimes it's just the silence of living in an urban community in Lower Town and hearing the light rail go by and hearing the people <laughs> talk and. It's because it's about people, hmm. you know. So all those things come into my work, um, and then it's sometimes listening to uh, African American history. Uh, I have a question: Do you consider your art African American art? 
Are you part of a tradition, or do you see it as just kind of its own thing there? Well, you know, I I, I thought I was, I'm on the edge. I, I, I if one time I wasn't accepted in the African American artist community. Oh, I was accepted by the African American community, but the artist community I wasn't representational enough. I was at a time, and then I, I was doing pointillism with somebody's Afro and saw some things in the pointillism and went into the pointillism of the Afro, and then I started discovering. African mass coming out of my supposed abstraction. Hmm. And uh, there's an artist named Norman Lewis that was around with Pollock and, you know, all those people at that time that was phenomenal. Uh, and his was abstract, they called it abstract art. But I, when, I, when I looked at it, I'm like, oh, this was so much more than that. Hmm. You know, there's, you know, uh, um, uh, Aaron Douglas, Jacob Lawrence, Charles White. Uh, uh, a so, per- so you are part All part African-American of artists. We're, we're running out of time, but I wanted to uh, emphasize once again that this August 25th, I hear it's going to be a big deal. How many paintings do you have for this, your, your opening on, at the uh, uh, Museum of Russian Art? I think it's around 35. 35? Yeah. Now, how long does it take you to produce each one? Do you time yourself? It, uh, it varies from piece to piece. So um, some can take a few days, some can take you know a few weeks. Wow. So that's intense. Mm-hmm. You guys should have a painting race so you can paint the, yeah. paint the fastest. No, I don't because want to be oh, no. part of the painting race. No, no painting race. <laughs> Is that like the human race? That's right, the human race, the painting race. Well, it's, it's been delighted to have you two on the creative. I, it, It's one of those things that where I would like to aspire to be creative, but then I think... Well, it, you are creative. Well... Thank You're you. painting us right now. <laughs> I'm painting a, 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 an audio portrait. Right. Well, well, thank you very much, Natalia Berglund. Good luck with your program. Thank I'll you. be there on the 25th. Excellent. And Takumba Aiken, I'm going to go home and look at your artwork on my walls. Well, I'm going to Natalia's show. Okay. So. <laughs> well, yeah. we'll see you there. So thanks for listening to uh, Synapse Think Tank of the Air. I'm Steve LeBeau. And also want to thank our producer, Dan Cook. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Synapse. Think Tank of the Air. I'm Leo Espinosa. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.